From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. I'm your host, Gary Pundick, and what an amazing week of sports we had. From the start of the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoff picture being all set and ready to go, and a ton of seminal sports from women's soccer, who's playing right now as we speak. Yuji Zhao's looking at a good chance here. Oh, it just gets tipped away by the goalkeeper. And they're in the national championship game playing against Santa Clara as we speak, like I said. And then also baseball, softball, men's and women's golf. We have a packed show for you. But first, as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Luke Hazen. Luke, did you have Rombauer in your Preakness Stakes bets this weekend? I did not, Gary. As a matter of fact, I was kind of—I I had some things to attend to on Saturday, so I, I caught the race at the last second. I doubled down on Midnight Bourbon, though, who I took in the the Kentucky Derby a couple weeks ahead or before. But um, at least this time I can I can take take solace in the fact that I was not robbed. Midnight Bourbon wasn't robbed like he was in the Kentucky Derby. I was on the right side of history with Medina Spirit there, getting the win in the Kentucky Derby, but then. Lost it there in the Preakness when I took Midnight Bourbon as well. I was on a lot of other horses. I had a lot of bets going for that one, but lost my shirt at the track once <laughs> I'll, again. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Gary, that actually Midnight Bourbon losing wasn't the worst beat that I took this last weekend. A certain panelist that's going to join us in just a couple seconds beat me in fantasy baseball Ooh. on a tiebreaker that he set up himself. <laughs> so I don't know whether we need to look into that or, or, or what's going on, but listen, I was very listen. salty about that. A little bit of that. funny business in the commissioner's office. Listen, that's been the rules long before Luke was in the league. He's like his second or third year in the league. Third. This league's been around for over half a decade. You know, that, that has been the rule forever. I won fair and square by five strikeouts from my pitching staff. And, yeah, you know, I'm 5-1. and one. Luke's like 2-4. and four. It's, There's a large gap between our two teams over the course of the season. So I'm... I'm in, very comfortable with where my fantasy baseball team is, as I am with my hockey team, who has we'll, a one nothing. We'll get to that in just a second. That's you're hearing Brett Rutherford on the mic right there talking about fantasy baseball. And Brett, I gotta ask you, man. So my Panthers, your Bolts, heated game one in South in Sunrise, Florida last night. How much is Tampa paying the refs? Just <laughs> at, riddle me that. Come on, I gotta know. <laughs> there were there were a lot of penalties for playoff hockey. It's usually you hear you know the the refs swallow their whistles. There, that was not the case last night. We knew these teams were going to go at it. We saw them go at it in the, in the last two games of the regular season. They played against each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you let the Bolts get on the power play, they will take advantage. They have when they're fully healthy, as they are now with Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos back in the lineup, the best power play in hockey. Uh, the best power play maybe I've ever seen, and, and, and they took advantage of it last night. Um, Sam Bennett probably, uh, I, I don't want to call it an unfair suspension because I think it was a bad hit from him. It was also a bad hit from Ryan McDonough. I'll take that one. He probably should also be sitting out the next game uh, on his hit for, uh, for his hit on Declare. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a very physical series, and I, I think the Lightning are a little bit lucky to have a one nothing lead. Yeah, that was, so the Panthers and Lightning duked it out in Game 1 of their first-round series last night. That game ended 5-4 to four in regulation, unlike the four other uh, playoff games that came before it that went to overtime. But in that Panthers game, you mentioned a ton of penalties. 34 combined minutes of penalties in that game. 
that is a huge amount. That's literally about half the game worth of penalties. And a lot of it was four on fours. You're getting roughing calls. Um, I, I think Martin St. Louis, uh, lightning legend, tweeted out, this is what hockey at the highest level should look like. And I, and I fully agree. For, for people that aren't fans of the sport or for people that are just tuning in for the playoffs, this is a great this was, that was it was a great game. You you saw some great attacking play. You saw great play when it was at even strength when there were when they were on special teams. Uh, and even though there were nine total goals in the game, I thought Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky both had amazing performances. There were some great saves that they had to make. They like 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 we said, they're playing on special teams for a lot of that match. Uh, that opened up a lot of space on the ice. These two teams are fast. They hit hard. They score a lot of goals. And I think this is right now for the NHL in the first round. Uh, the best they could ask for in terms of a of a first round playoff matchup. It was such a good game, and that, and I'm not and I was on the losing end of this game, and I still at the end of the night was like, wow, that was amazing. Like you said, that's what playoff hockey, that's what hockey should be. It was physical, fast. It had everything that you would like. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna come out front with you guys. Like I'm I'm an admitted Blackhawks fan. We did not make the playoffs this season, and that's perfectly fine because guess what? Just like you guys, I was glued to that Lightning Panthers game last night, and I thought. It was a perfect science experiment. So I had, I had a couple friends over that aren't really hockey guys at all. And so one of their first games that they saw was last night's back-and-forth game between the Panthers and Lightning. Tons of power plays, tons of action, in it, and they, they were glued right from the start of it. So that just goes to show you how intense playoff hockey can get. It's good, and it's going to be such a great series going forward. This series, I, I guarantee you, will not be going four games. This is going. This could go the distance very easily, and it's going to be very long. And it's it's tough to watch as a Panthers fan because I know like we had some missed opportunities there a lot of the time. And what lost this game for the Panthers is too many penalty minutes. Gave up too many opportunities for goals there for the uh, Lightning on the power play. And if I'd say if they cut down maybe on ha- not even half of those, if you just get rid of one, really. The Panthers, I think, have a better chance of winning that game. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, starting tomorrow night in Game 2, did these teams get it out of their system in Game 1? The the fighting? Well, the... hold your horses, Brett. Florida State soccer just took the lead in the national oh, title game. I didn't ca- oh, Jenna Nicewonger. <laughs> Jenna Nicewonger, there you go, what takes a... the lead. I didn't catch it at the moment. I just hear like I just see Luke kind of raising his hands, jumping up and over down. Here, man. But yes, we can't, FS- we can't uh, do give play-by-play, but we can give updates. Wow, FS- actually, I, I think we can. It's not on the radio. No, we can do it. F- FSU want. takes the lead, though, one nothing here. Twenty-seven wow. minutes left in the second half of this national championship game against Santa Clara. This is that's a huge moment there for FSU. This is something that uh, goes on the championship DVD if they do win this I, game. But I think I think we got to pivot here a little see. bit and talk a little bit about this this team and this game. It's been it's their first goal in how long? They haven't scored since the it was Sweet Sixteen. Over two hundred and ninety minutes or so. Because I saw the FSU did a good job. They tweeted that out at about halftime. Uh, I can pull up the exact number here in just a second, but. This was at halftime for the FSU Santa Clara game. Uh, it's been 293 minutes of open play since FSU has scored. Obviously, not counting that, uh, counting the um, shootout win against UVA this right. past weekend. So, wow, that nice swanger goal just cut it back on her left foot. Looked like an Aryan Robin goal, former Netherlands star, just beautifully placed bottom left corner. Yeah, like they've been going to shootouts, and I've talked about it on this show. They didn't play a full. Or they didn't play a college schedule in the spring like some of these other schools. I, I think like Santa Clara did. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. They went and played a couple friendlies against professional teams. They focused on training. They they were undefeated in the fall. Amazing, best team in the country. It's what got them the number one seed in this tournament. 
they've been rusty. Like, they've been able to get through with just pure talent and pure organization and some of the tactical decisions from Mark Accordion, who'd made changes even going into this game with in terms of formation. But to get that goal, I think, with less than half an hour to go is huge. You can get settled in. You don't need to score a boatload of goals to win this game. That that That's massive. It also really makes you feel good if you're a Noel fan out there, knowing that in this game, Santa Clara's had a multitude of opportunities in the first half and, and even in the second half to kind of make the first move against Florida State, kind of take on the, the giant, the Goliath that is Florida State women's soccer. Um, and they've been uh, fruitless thus far. And so for Florida State to kind of steal one there with, you know, 26-odd minutes to go. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but this I think this run that Florida State is having here in this postseason tournament is probably one of the more impressive runs that we've seen any collegiate team have ever because, like you mentioned, Brett, that uh, six-month break and not really being just completely uh, like in uh, form there because most of the time whenever you hear of an NCAA tournament or anything like that, it's always the, the hottest team's going to win. That's how it always works. And you can't say Florida State was the hottest team going into it because they didn't play any real games going into this. Yeah, it, th- this has been a, f- a fight from start to finish. And I do think they're the most talented team in the, in the country. I think they're the most the, the uh, best coach team in the country is. Wow, Santa Clara close with a chance there. Um, the, the, what Mark Corian has done, and it's taken a long time, but this they're, they're 25 minutes away from their third national championship in the last like eight seasons extremely impressive it rivals what Anson Dorrance was able to set up in North Carolina obviously not 22 national championships I'm not saying that um, but in in college athletics in terms of the, the the collegiate level being a pathway to the professional level and a breeding ground for the professional level women's soccer is to to professional or coll- collegiate women's soccer is to the professional game as to what college football is for the NFL that, that's not really the case anymore in college basketball and college baseball the best players are looking in college basketball for a one and done situation or now they can go to the G League or they can go overseas college baseball the best guys usually sign out of high school but in women's soccer this is this is the development for players that you're going to see in the US women's national team or in other national teams like Gabby Carl plays for Canada, Megan Connolly plays for Ireland, uh, a number of other players in this program. Um, but this is like what you're, what you're seeing right now. So many of these players from both teams are going to go on to play in NWSL. They're going to go on to play in the Women's Super League in England or in the Women's Champions League like we saw wrap up yesterday. Like if, if you're, if you're a, f- a fan of soccer, watching the women's collegiate game is like it is it's not like these players are going to go off and, and and do something else so many of these players are going to go pro and so many of them are going to watch this game and, and want to come to Florida State and, and and use that as a pathway to go professional it's so completely different from the men's collegiate game because the men's collegiate game is not really a breeding ground for great players like this because all the great players will either go overseas and go to an academy and do whatnot so it's really fun to see the great the best players in your nation stay in your nation, even a lot of others coming in from other countries to play and try and make a name for themselves. So I, it, the women's game is truly a game of its own and amazing in itself. I, I would try to liken it to, to what Leonard Hamilton is doing with the basketball program and sort of this added sense and emphasis on, on, on professionalism and creating a pipeline for these players to go professional and develop them while they're FSU. But that's not giving the soccer program nearly enough credit for what they've been doing for quite a while longer than Leonard Hamilton has, has had in recent years. And it, it, you have to emphasize, they lost their best player this past fall. Malia Berkeley signed with uh, Bordeaux in France. She went professional. 
you know, because the, the College Cup and the National Championships were postponed until the spring when some of these other conferences and schools could play out a, a regular season like Santa Clara out on the West Coast. And so they, they're getting in the box plenty. This game is not over. 23 minutes left. Santa Clara having plenty of chances. Um, but the, the fact that they've been able to stay so defensively organized uh, has been huge. They, if you look at even look at the Virginia game in the last round, Virginia had a lot of chances on the counterattack, but Florida State was bossing possession. They had control of the game, and when they get a, up a goal like this, it's, they're a really hard team to beat. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Christina Roque and her performance this this <laughs> tournament. I mean, she's been phenomenal, especially in that last game against UVA. Every single time it felt like they were going to have a great chance to score on FSU but she was always right there to stop it, and especially in that shootout, maybe not the most difficult shots to stop, but she was right there every single time, and that's always the most difficult part of uh, shootout in soccer is just being in the right spot to make the save. So really impressive stuff from the Knolls there. There are 22 minutes left in this one. It looks like McFarland is down, being helped out by the physical trainers at this moment, but we'll keep you updated once some things come across our table here, but do we want to jump back to the NHL playoff now? <laughs> yeah, we're, it's, we're tough to, it's tough to jump back when you were <laughs> we just got on this train like that. But I mean, how close have all these games been? It's been insane. It's been insane. Yeah, for the NHL playoffs, yes, it's been truly amazing. I mean, every game has been decided by one goal, and four out of the five have gone to overtime. One of the games that I thought was really good was yesterday in the afternoon was the Wild Minnesota Wild against the not the UCF Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights. But uh, <laughs> that game was great. Mark Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot they were phenomenal in net. A Christina Roque in, uh, performance, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, exactly. Like, t- if if the Wild, if Talbot's going to perform this way, you look at teams, and I thought the Lightning were going to have to do this. They came out and scored five goals yesterday, but I thought they were going to be in a position where uh, Vasilevsky was going to have to save games and save series for them. It might still be the case moving forward, but if, if, if Talbot can be that, if Cam Talbot can be that for the Minnesota Wild, that's a team that can go really, really deep. Yeah, they've certainly made some even interesting, like, additions to their team obviously with Nick Bugstad, uh, Nick Bonino and a few others like that it's been really nice to see them on the come up and Brett we were talking about this on the show last week when we were kind of previewing some of these series and how they might go I brought up the fact that listen the wild heading into the playoffs I thought they had an amazing shot at beating either Vegas or Colorado two of the 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 kings of the the west out there but this is an ongoing trend for for Vegas now you know, last season they went two and six while scoring twelve goals in their eight playoff games, despite outshooting their opponents by over a hundred shots. So it's not like this is just a, a one-off thing where oh Vegas, you know they're 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 keeping the pressure on and they're out they're out shooting everybody. No, this is a this is an ongoing problem that they've had the last couple of postseason series for them. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, this it's if if this is the the level of hockey that we're gonna see, and it's not because it's it's it's. It, not only have every game been close, they've been great. You've seen great performances. You can pinpoint individual performances. The goalies in the, in the, in the Minnesota game, the the forwards in the Florida-Tampa Bay game, and the, the Islanders, like, they they put out a great overtime game. Uh, this is this has been some really, really fun. I will say, I'll bring up the old adage that uh, was mentioned in the Incredibles, you know, if everyone's super, is anyone super? Listen, we love overtime hockey, but if every game goes to overtime... Is there really the magic of NHL overtime hockey? That's a good point that you bring up there, but still, that's, I mean, we got that answer there with the Panthers and the uh, Lightning there. That game did not go to overtime, but it was by far the best game of the weekend yep. by leaps and bounds, and no, no, de- no debating that one. 
Yeah, no, I, I think yes. If every if every game goes to overtime, which it won't, uh, it's still it's still going to be make for for a great television product. Uh, hopefully, we don't get any more five overtime games like you saw the Lightning Blue Jackets last year. I, I loved that game through about the third overtime, and then I was like, they've just got to end it. Like, what do you do? Like, come back tomorrow. This is not going to end today. And then ultimately, the Lightning did win uh, in that fifth overtime, go on to win the Stanley Cup. But like. It, as long as these games aren't going five and a half hours, yes, I think the magic is still there. If every game is going to overtime, should we just start calling it the fourth quarter? Yeah, exactly. Might as well. It's fourth quarter fourth regulation. I, mean, There's... I do think, though, and, and uh, this will never happen uh, in the NHL. I don't think it will ever happen. Maybe after your second overtime, you go into third overtime, maybe a transition to four-on-four, four, maybe even three-on-on-three. Three. I don't know. Probably probably well, three unlikely. Three-on-three would, would get spicy. Ooh. Yeah, no, and the, the purists would not be happy with you on but that one. It's like, one. come on. We get to three overtime. It's like baseball. No, like, exactly, yeah. I'm fine with the runner on second rule, like, once we get to the 12th inning. Yes, yeah, I agree on that one. But, yeah, if the NHL, like, they, they start weaning you off. Like, imagine if you get down to, like, the seventh overtime and you have to go one-on-one, and it's not a shootout. It's just open ice one-on-one with, two, with a goalie on each end. But... That would be a ton of fun, but obviously a lot of people would reject that thought. Maybe that's something you can work out in, like, an NHL video game. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, you keep the, keep the traditional rules in the, in the cup finals. You know, you don't, you know I don't want to see that in Game 7 with, with it on the line, especially if the Lightning are playing. I literally wouldn't be able to watch. Um, but, yeah, these first-round games, I, we haven't seen anyone. None of them have gone into uh, two OT yet, but those, the, I just have nightmares from that extremely long game. That was <laughs> uh, just Yeah, um, another thought I had while watching the games yesterday, just as fans – I feel like we're going to walk away from this sort of playoff format with the way that they set up the divisions. The the teams, especially the teams that were ranked one and two in their division, they're going to walk away if they lose those playoff series saltier than I think any other playoffs just because for so much of the regular season, you're beating these teams over and over and over again. And if they if they slip up in the postseason and you lose to one of those teams, I feel like that's got to sting way more than, than any other season. This is how I've been feeling about this playoffs this format this whole time because I knew this whole time it's either the Panthers are going to have to play the uh, the Lightning or the Hurricanes. And those two teams are the top two, like arguably two of the best teams in the league, especially mm-hmm. now that you got Kucherov and Stamkos back. But it just hurts because like, I want to play someone else. I'm done playing the Central. I don't want to play any of these other teams anymore. So like, it's frustrating that like the winner of the Lightning Panthers series has to probably go play Carolina, who starts their series against Nashville tonight. And it, it, it's tough, I think. This is the time of year that, as sports fans, you realize when you have a closely contested matchup, uh, like we saw with with, uh, with the Lightning and the Panthers last night. I experienced it this weekend with uh, Chelsea and Leicester City in the FA Cup final. There's so much that happens that is out of either team's control, uh, which really can swing the game one way or the other just based on luck. And you saw it last night. With the Panthers, uh, the goal disallowed due to goalie interference, which very questionable. Uh, it's, it I mean, it could have swung the game back into the Panthers' favor. Yeah, because the, at that point, then maybe the Lightning aren't coming out and scoring a goal literally three seconds afterwards. But like that, I want to get back to that one uh, call there for that. So it was a puck just on the left side of the net, and two Panthers, Sam Bennett, I can't remember who the other one, jumped at it to try and tap it in. And it, they, the refs are claiming that the Panthers pushed – uh, Vasilevsky's mm-hmm. pad out of the way, out of the way of the net, to then the other one to tap it in. I believe Bennett was accredited with the goal mm-hmm. if it were to stand, yeah. but it it does it from the video that I saw. It looked like just normal hockey where the guys were just going for the puck. No one was obviously there's no obvious intent, but it's it didn't feel like or look like goalie interference in any way, shape, or form. I think you can make the case either way that it either was interference or it wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
But it goes back to, and, and again, like Chelsea and Leicester City, a very controversial non-handball, we don't know what the law is. There's so much amb- uh, ambiguity there. You know what, in the NFL, with what's a catch, we still don't know what a catch is. We still don't know what goalie interference is. We still don't know what a handball is. So it's not that, if you make a judgment call one way or the other, fine. If you don't agree with it, fine. But the call is there. There's reasoning. There's You can back it up with, with the rule book. Uh, but, like, we still don't know what goalie interference is, which makes that call just, like, if you're a Panthers fan, hurt so much more. I think what call would have gotten me more angry, remember the series a couple years back, Blues, Sharks, the hand pass from Thornton, yeah. that one that that one made me furious watching, <laughs> and I have no rooting interest in either of those teams, and that one was just crazy to watch because that's something that's just not reviewable under the laws right. of the NHL. And it's like, okay, if, if, if the ref uh, or the, the umpire or whatever it is makes a bad call, Fine, you have to you have to live with that. But when there is a question over like what the rule is or how do you rule on this or stuff, we, we can review everything else in the book except for that call that is so pivotal in a, in a goal scoring opportunity. Like it's it's rough, and I think it, it's just a tough realization, especially when you're watching on your couch. You have no control over what's going to happen, uh, and sometimes it leads to you know a great win like it did for the Lightning or a, or a tough tough loss for the Panthers. You know, call, yeah, I was just going to say calls like that just show, goes to show you how how sweet the life is of a, of a reigning champion. <laughs> you, know, you, you have stuff, you have occurrences like that happening, and Nikita Kucherov coming off after not playing at all in the regular season, basically Gosh. playing under a free year, if I'm not mistaken, Brett for the Lightning, and kind of easing their front office a little bit, coming back for three points, two goals. It's got to feel sweet. I, I mean, he's recovering from surgery. Mm-hmm. Oh, get mm-hmm. out of surgery. here! Yep. He didn't look hurt. He didn't look like he was recovering <laughs> well, last was night. Nice I'll tell recovery. you what, it was a nice. Re- and that's why you know he's a he's a Hart Trophy winner. He's, he was a league MVP. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, it was obviously only game one, but he already got three points under his belt. Would would have to be the, if he goes on to win the Conn Smythe, the first hockey player to not play a game in the regular season and go on to win the Conn Smythe. That would be truly impressive if that were to happen, and obviously it in, completely infuriating for me I, as a Panthers yeah. fan because like he, it's the cap rule. I just don't like. Once again, it's like why is this rule in place? Like he just gets to take off the whole year, obviously because of the surgery, but then just waltz back in and then. Tear up the Panthers for three points. You can you can very much be upset with the NHL and the in the whole idea that the cap disappears in the playoffs and that there was some circumvention of the cap done by the Lightning. Uh, but it's not like the the Lightning didn't just sit out Kucherov. Like no. last year was such a grueling run after the shutdown to then go into the bubble and and play those series with on a, on a tighter schedule. Like all the players, like Hedman's been beat up the whole season. He stuck it in because if he was out and he wasn't even playing very well this year. Uh, for this, for the back half of the season, like the Lightning, might have missed the playoffs. Like the Lightning players were beat up. Stamkos still coming off injuries from last year. He dealt with a couple more this year. Like they weren't just going out and playing golf. Like they were beat up, and it's going to be a tough run. Like seeing Game One, that doesn't make me. Even though they won the game, that doesn't make me more confident that the Lightning have another deep Cup run in them. Like that's going to take a lot, and it's going to have a toll on their bodies. And you saw that the Panthers were playing extremely physical that game. They were they not. Know. They were not holding back on any hits. I think in just the first period they had over twenty. So and the Lightning only had seven, I believe. So yeah, yeah. it's showing you like the Lightning are obviously a very fast team. They that's their style of playing. The Panthers. I've begun to get a bit more physical, which they needed to because they really they tried to play that fast style of hockey. They tried to copy the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it failed. And that's why the Panthers have always missed the playoffs just narrowly. But this year they changed up their style and they got some guys to fit that system. And obviously they're looking a heck of a lot better. But speaking of that physicality, and obviously we talked about the 34 combined penalty minutes, 
do we think the refs are going to call this game the same way tomorrow night or even if the game will be played in that same manner because, like you said, have they gotten out of their system? Yeah, I don't know. It's like you have to wonder. This this series could go seven. I would. I think it probably will go seven at this point. But it's like whoever makes it out of this, I mean, they got to turn around and probably probably play Carolina. Like, Good luck. I mean, they, you know, natural or natural. But it's like, how are they going to get past Carolina? Carolina? <laughs> yeah. Like, how are either of these teams going to get past Carolina after a seven game? If if game one was any indication, it's like we better enjoy this series while we can, no matter which way it goes, because a deep cup run is a lot to ask from either of these teams. We'll just decide this is the Florida Cup, and whoever wins <laughs> yeah. this, we make our own trophy. <laughs> this is no matter what happens, no matter how, no matter how either of these teams finish their season. This is going to set up a, a, a rivalry that could span generations. And when you look back 100 years from now and these two, two teams are, are competing in the Eastern Conference, you're going to be like, well, this is when it started. Game one, the playoffs 2021. It, it was a great hockey game. And I'm excited for, for a little bit of an interstate rivalry because it's always the Lightning and the Bruins or the Lightning and the Red Wings or the Lightning and the Blackhawks. Like, I'm excited for, for a rivalry a little bit closer to home. This Yeah, it feels a lot more personal because if you're obviously Tampa Bay, Boston, you don't really have that many Boston friends or a Boston family, so you can't really go back and forth with them. So it's just like yelling at a blank wall. I, I think we have quite a bit of Boston friends. Uh, well, though. yes, I, I, know, I know quite a bit too with my family up there. But like still, like if it's just somebody that's not in your same region, like obviously us like it's great like we were watching the game last night and we were yelling back and forth whenever <laughs> our team scored like Scott was saying his hands hurt more from or was it he said something his his hands were hurting after I was giving him high fives after Panther goals I almost beat up on Luke too but he, he didn't even see any Luke Fay yeah. uh, he didn't even see any of the goals uh, he was looking at his phone the whole time I told him when the lightning on the power play they're gonna score you shouldn't look down yeah I was we were sitting on pins and needles that whole game it was a ton of fun to watch but uh we got game two tomorrow night, so that'll be a lot more fun coming up in just a bit. But let's switch it over to the NBA. The NBA play-in and the NBA playoffs have been set. The play-in games go as uh, here, like just as is, like this. Memphis uh, and then Sa- uh, San Antonio is the 9-10 matchup, and then L.A. Golden State as the 7-8 matchup. And so the winner of the 7-8 plays the uh, set plays the seven seed against Phoenix, and then the loser of that 7-8 matchup have to go play the winner of the 9-10 to then have the chance to become the eight seed in the NBA Finals. So let's start with the Western Conference, guys. Who are we liking in this play? Or let's start with this, actually. Do we like the play-in format for this tournament, or is it not something that we're too keen on? I, I hope that they don't. Well, I don't. I want to say that they, I hope they don't. I am opposed to them continuing with this heading into the to next year's season and, and beyond that. I would like them to just revert to uh, one through eight as is. But um, at least for this year, I'm very excited to see, well, at least one of the games, you know, Grizzlies-Spurs could be a little bit of a snooze fest, but I'm really looking forward to, to L.A. and Golden State going at it. Steph Curry, uh, top leading scorer in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I am, I'm starting to like it. Um, my biggest problem with the NBA and I will say, I, I, this NBA regular season, for the most part, and it was due to injuries, it sucked. Like, it, it was not enjoyable. Last year's, even before the shutdown and then into the bubble, great regular season, great postseason. There's this binary in the NBA where you're either competing for a championship or you're trying to get the number one pick in the draft. And I don't think it creates a healthy league. It devalues the regular season. This year, I think there's a, a, there's a bit of a change to that. I talked a lot about the Charlotte Hornets when they went out and signed Gordon Hayward to a huge contract. Gordon Hayward's not a player that's going to come in and, and help lead your team to a championship, at least not on the surface. He's going to need other pieces around him, like, like what Boston was trying to do with him. 
but I praise Charlotte for going out and trying to get better when there's so many other teams that are intentionally trying to get worse going into a season where they can set themselves up to, to acquire draft picks. Charlotte, they're not going to win an NBA championship this year, but they get into the play-in tournament as the 10 seed. They tried to get better. They did, and they're two games away from getting a, you know, a full series against uh, um, a team in the, in the NBA playoffs. So I, I'm a fan I'm a fan of it. I think maybe you need to tweak the system a little bit, but if you're going to do a play-in tournament, this the way the format is is set up now is way better than if they did like a single elimination tournament between these four teams. Yeah, I'm right there with Luke. I like it for this year because obviously you have the injuries, like we said, and then you have a, it, it was a slightly shortened season, and so you kind of need that just because like what if there were 10 more games or whatever it left in that year? Then a lot could happen in theory, but... Who, would, who could say? And it also makes some of these big teams like put their cards on the table. You know for a fact now that the Lakers were not just resting LeBron and AD. Like Those guys were hurt, and they needed to get back. If the, if the Lakers knew they were going to slip that fall or slip that, slip that far down the standings. 2-0, Florida State takes the lead there. Oh, it's Another right there. goal, Florida Ten State. To go. 2 nothing. 10 minutes left in this one wow. here in the national title game. Wow. Third national championship right there on the table. What a goal. Just what got. Oh, goal. wait, they're calling it offside. Wait, I think the ref just Uh-oh. called offside. Disallowed. Um, if they take nothing. that goal away Yep, from they UG. did. They took it away. That's fine. Play Ten on. Minutes. All right, it still off. one nothing here. 10 minutes left. Uh, Usually had a wide open look there just to put it past the goalkeeper. She's had a couple of chances. She's got to stay on side there. All right, 10 minutes, kill the game off. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Back to the NBA. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, was, I was just going to say, Brett, I've, I'm thankful that we're getting the play-in. Well, I, I like the, the sort of side effects that have, that have happened because of the play-in tournament in that we're getting, as NBA fans, we're getting a lot more competitive teams. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the Wizards down the stretch this season when they knew that there was an opportunity on the table because they were sitting outside of the bubble yeah. before then and and they go on this stretch Russell Westbrook Bradley Beal they they absolutely take over down the stretch and they they end up making the playoff you know the playing tournament whereas any other year they see themselves at, at 11 or 12 in the Eastern Conference they they sit those guys and they completely tank this season yeah i, I just think the way the nba was heading was that it it was the the regular season didn't matter where it's like you knew the teams even if you didn't know the exact eight teams that were going to be in the playoffs, you knew that there were about three or four that thought they had a chance to get all the way to the finals, and the other teams were kind of indifferent on whether or not they made it to the playoffs because in the first round they were going to get trounced in five you know, or less. <laughs> and they, were, they would rather put themselves in the position in the lottery to, to get those picks. Exactly. So let's get to some predictions here for this uh, Western Conference play-in series. We'll give you those predictions, though. Right at the start of the next half of the show, we're going to go to a break here. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. I am your host, Gary Putnick. I'm joined by Luke Hazen and Brett Rutherford. Uh, not Sebastian <laughs> and Juliana. I'm just It's Freudian slip there, but obviously Scott Clemens is producing in the production booth down the hall. We left and Florida State was up one nothing. And during the break, Santa Clara got a goal in open space to tie it up 1-1. Roughly six minutes left in the second half here. As of right now, it looks like this one will be going to overtime. So oh, it is crushing, and wow, would not did not expect that. That was a that was a wide open chance. That Let, well, you cannot pass that's a one it on one across the, the you can't cross it, cr- pass it across your own back line like that because if you make a mistake, they will take advantage, and and they did. Uh, Santa Clara, like late in this game, I thought Florida State, you know, was going to get that second goal. It was rolled offside. Have been really, really knocking on the door, and they 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 get one. It's not really surprising that they got that that first goal. And we'll see it here. Florida State looks to be getting a free kick here with six minutes to go, and they'll be making a push into the Santa Clara zone here in just a second. Here, so we'll keep we'll we'll toss in some updates when we get them here and when big things happen. But let's jump in back where we left off with the NBA play-in. Let's talk about the Western Conference. We got our predictions for that one. So for game one, or yeah, I guess this is going to be the first game of the Western Conference play-in based on time. Memphis, number nine Memphis against number 10 San Antonio. Who do we like? What are your thoughts? I love the Grizzlies in this game. I think John, John Morant's been, there's, he's spoken for. He, he's one of the best point guards in the league, best two-way guards, if you want to say. Um, and I, I just think more than anything, they his, uh, his cast with Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, I think that they're significantly more talented than, than the San Antonio Spurs. Is, the Spurs have grinded out for most of the season, but I think it comes to a halt uh, against the Grizzlies. I'm, yeah, I've been really impressed with the Spurs, but we saw what the Grizzlies could do. They were competing with Golden State for good chunks of that game. Uh, John Morant, fully ready to go. Um, I, yeah, I, I do I do like the Grizzlies, and I, I, think, I think I would take them to cover, too. I looked at the numbers earlier. They are four-point favorites. I, I like that. I think they could beat... Uh, the Spurs pretty handily. I'm right there with you. Memphis is going to take this one. I haven't really watched that much San Antonio basketball this year, but from what I've seen of Memphis, they're going to be the better team. Sorry, Devin Vassell. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all in accordance there. Up oh, FSU's got an opportunity here in the box. Wow, Nothing. Close. Just Ooh. tipped over wow. the net there. Probably should have had a better chance there. The way you, you got a lot of space in the box. They could not get a good shot on. Yeah, no, not a great look there. But Oh, great look, but not the great result. But... Let's go into the next one. Obviously, we had Memphis in that first game. The next game, 7 versus 8 seed, 7 L.A. Lakers, 8 Golden State Warriors. Golden State beat Memphis yesterday afternoon to secure that 8 seed rather than having to go play San Antonio and have to guarantee and possibly have to win two games to make it to the playoffs. Rather, now the Warriors only have to win one game to make it as the 7 seed. Who do we like? I like the Lakers in this game. Now, you know, LeBron back, I still don't think that there's a better player in the NBA when he's healthy right now. He just impacts the game in so many ways. Um, I, I think, just think they're a better overall team than the Warriors, despite 
the Warriors having Steph Curry. So I, I like the Lakers in that 7-8 matchup. You said when he's healthy. We're not sure that he's fully healthy. The one player that is healthy right now and is the best player on the planet right now is Steph Curry on the other side. If he's cold, if he's even the slightest bit cold, the Lakers should win this handily. But I've seen no evidence that he's going to be cold. He is, he is on fire. They're playing at the best level of his career, in my opinion. I, I like the Warriors a lot in this game. It would make things really tricky for, for the Lakers having to play a do-or-die game against the Grizzlies, but I'll take the Warriors. I'm riding with the Lakers on this one. Like Luke said, if LeBron's healthy, if he can get be there, and same thing with AD, they're just the better all-around team. If LeBron takes over, there's no stopping him. I mean, even when they did go back and forth, yeah? It's going to be really interesting to see the mental games played here. I think Draymond, he's going to probably have to cover AD. He's going to have to do some work with LeBron, too. The, if, if he tries to get under the skin of Anthony Davis... And if Golden State gets out to an early lead to see the type of the, how how Steve Kerr wants to play that to to hold them off, uh, would be would be really interesting to watch. And I, I'm very much looking forward to this game. This this is going to be by far the best play in game just on paper yeah. right now. Looking at it, I mean, on the other side of the bracket, we'll get to them in just a minute, but not as enticing and appetizing as this seven eight matchup here. So Luke and I are on the Lakers. Brett is on the Warriors. So. Let's jump in now to the series that we know that will be happening, the matchups that we know are already set in the Western Conference. And that is the first one that we'll jump right into is the 4-5 matchup, Los Angeles Clippers against the Dallas Mavericks. What are you guys thinking here on this? Right, so in, in both of these these matches that we already, or both matchups uh, heading into the Western Conference playoffs, they're both rematches of, of some pretty recent playoff series between those four teams. But as for the Clippers and Mavs, I love Luka, I love how he's kind of turned around the, the the Mavs as of late, getting them all the way to that five seed. But I, I sneakily think that the Clippers might have the best path towards uh, going through the Western Conference. So I'm, I'm going to take the Clippers in six. I, I think last year when these two teams played, the Clippers still had these underlying issues inside their locker room that I think when Doc Rivers leaves, the, when he left the team, they might have been able to work those things out. They're going to be at full strength. I think when both of these teams are at full strength, the Mavericks really aren't like at the same level of the Clippers or even near it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go Clippers in five. Right there with you. Clippers, clean sweep there. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be a sweep for nothing, but I'll take them and I'll take the Clippers in five here. But I was saying it the other time, the other a couple weeks back, the Clippers have been playing some really solid basketball and they best team in L.A.? Well, they might be. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to mention about this team is last year we saw Terrence Mann as a rookie fill in as a, spart- uh, as a starter when they had some of their load management nights. He was seventh on the team in total minutes this year. Like He is a an actual role player. He's going to play meaningful minutes in the postseason this year. He's played really well. Shot over 50% from the field, over 40% from three, and I think like an 83% clip from the free throw line. He's been a valuable player for them, and we're going to see him play in the NBA playoffs. I can't be more excited for that. Yeah, that'll be a really good matchup there. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for all the playoffs and across <laughs> all sports. I'm Yeah. But let's jump to the next one, the 3-6 matchup, number three, Denver, against number six, Portland. Luke, we'll go back to you for this one. Guys, I love Portland in this matchup. Mm. It's, it's a rematch a couple of years ago of, of a Western Conference semifinal game. Um, I just think I think Jokic has been the MVP of the league this year, mm-hmm. but I, I trust the ball in Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum's hands more than anyone else that could handle the ball on the Nuggets. So I'm, I'm going to go Blazers in seven. Blazers in seven. I'm not the biggest believer of quote unquote clutch, but if there is like more clutch, if there's a clutch player in the world, it's Damian Lillard. He showed that time and time again in the playoffs. 
But even without Jamal Murray, I, the, Jokic has been the, the best player in the league, wire to wire. Um, it, and I have a hard time seeing the, the, the Nuggets lose this. But it, I, it, I could see it going deep, especially you're going to have a couple of games where Lillard just goes off. He might put up a 50-piece once or twice. Uh, but I'll take the Nuggets in seven. I'm right there with you on the Nuggets. I'll take them in six for this one. But, yeah, like Brett was saying, you, Jokic cannot keep up with that scoring percentage that Lillard's going to put up in some of these games. So it's obviously you have Jokic, who's been an MVP-caliber player, probably the MVP for the season. But he's not going to be able to do right. it every like if, single if, game. If they like go that. after Jokic down low with with, with Cantor and, and Nurkic that, that the Blazers do, who who handles the ball for the for the Nuggets that you trust in that situation without Jamal Murray there? I I legitimately have questions about that. I know the Blazers can go to to three or four different people, excluding Damian Lillard, one of the best ball handlers in the league. So that that's that's why I'm kind of uneasy about picking the Nuggets. That's why I'm going with Portland Seven. Norm Powell's a guy to watch in that series. If if McCollum or Lillard have an off night, if how, how well he can score, uh, if he's on, if all three of them are on, it's going to be really tough for Denver. All right. Do we want to now touch on the play our hypothetical play in teams making it in oh, there? Yeah. We'll have so I at least will have the Utah Jazz taking on the Golden State Warriors for this game. Let's do, start with the Utah Jazz here. So Utah against for me Golden State. I believe it would be for, uh, was it Luke? You, who do you have? I, I have Utah and Golden State okay, as well. Utah, I have Golden, Golden State. State beating Memphis in that second play-in game. Yeah, so. I, I had the Lakers beating beating the Grizzlies. So they would be against uh, Phoenix and Golden State against Utah. Okay, so for the Utah-Golden State series, this is one where, for me, it looks like the Utah Jazz could lose first round. It, I was talking about this to you guys earlier, and it feels like one of those games, just looking on paper, if Steph Curry is hot and everything else is kind of working against Utah. Like, it feels like it is. Everyone, I don't think I've met a single person that says, yeah, I think the Utah Jazz can win the NBA Finals this year. Like, have you guys? There's, I don't think there's a single person on earth outside of Utah. (laughs) No, I've I've said it. (laughs) Oh, there it is. But with, they kind of lost their rhythm, I think, when Donovan Mitchell went down. Um, And against either of these teams, I would have them, in, in my hypothetical, playing the Lakers. Uh, losing to either, I think, which is tough because you win 52 games in a 72-game season. You put together one of the one of the best regular seasons in your team's history, and you either play the hottest player on the planet right now or maybe the best team on the planet. Uh, that's really tough. Um, it, 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 whoever they play, it'll, it'll go deep, but I, I have the Lakers beating them in, in six, I think. I have the Jazz beating the Warriors in, in five games. I, I think that they, although they've had their struggles lately, I think they're still a really well a machine compared to what Golden State's got going on. I think they have the means to, to stop Steph relatively. So I'm I'm going with uh, Utah in five. I'll I'll take Golden State in six here. I feel like Utah it's just it's just the brand Utah Jazz. You look at them <laughs> and you see a quitter. You see it, a choker. It's if they had this record any other year, the run they could have had themselves set up for uh with if LeBron and, and AD weren't hurt, the Lakers would have been much higher up this. They wouldn't have to face them until Later, they might not have had a, a, the number one seed, but you're looking at a team they might have been playing Portland or Dallas. Where I think they would handle either of those teams easily, but it's just a tough, tough draw for them this year, no matter who they get. See, I have an interesting question here. So, if we just took away the Utah Jazz logo and their name, and we all the players are the same, and we maybe slapped on LA Clippers or another team's brand onto it. Are we still saying the same thing? Yeah, no. I, I, I've been a, the biggest believer of the Utah Jazz all year, and I was last year too. It's just this is just a tough, tough draw. That's that's all I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So let's move on to that two-seven matchup there. So Phoenix is the two seed, and for me and Luke, it sounds like they'll be playing the Lakers, and then for Brett, they'll be taking on Golden State. 
Who do we got on this one? I have the Lakers over the Suns. I think it's playoff time. That means everyone's locked in on the Lakers. Uh, AD, LeBron are back. I, I, I think when they're healthy, they are the best team in the Western Conference, bar none. So I have them beating the the sort of inexperienced Suns team there. This, other than CP3. Gary, you can go because you've got well, the same matchup. Well, speaking of chokers, just like Utah, you got Chris Paul on the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one thing that stuck out to me. Obviously, he's been the big veteran leadership for this Phoenix Suns team this year, helping Donovan Mitchell and all those guys down there. But I, I don't know. I don't think Jay Crowder is going to come up as big as people might think he would in the playoffs. But uh, L.A. is just so tough to beat when it comes to that. And if, like we said if earlier, if LeBron's healthy, if this team is raring and ready to go, it's going to be the Lakers. I've got them playing the Warriors, and both of these teams like to control the tempo of the game. The Suns play a very slow uh, brand of basketball. If the Suns, if they can not not control but contain Steph Curry early on in games, get that early lead, even if it's a slight lead, they can control the tempo of each of those games and go on to win the series. I just I don't think it's possible right now. Uh, so I'll take I'll take the Warriors over the Suns uh, in in, a, in in five I think I think like I don't know if they have I know they've got Chris Paul Devin Booker they can they can't keep pace with the Warriors though with the way they play it's crazy that we're all going like only one of us has a underdog be or did you have Utah Luke I I had Utah I had okay Utah. so two of, <laughs> I had okay Utah so beating Golden State. Yeah, so I mean that's still a lot more upsets than we, we would expect really when it I comes mean, to you picking can't it. Really but call them upset. They, by, by just the number, seeds, yeah, seeding wise, yes, but like just by every other sense of the word, it is not. But no matter how this shakes up, I'll be really interested to look at the series odds or the series price for for both of these to see if like the Lakers, like they're probably going to be the favorite on the series price no matter who they play. Oh, so yeah, no, sorry, Luke, you're just having me. So FSU, quick update before we head over to the Eastern Conference here. Florida State going to overtime now with Santa Clara, which is golden goal, golden goal, winner take all, just like the NHL playoffs in that same respect. But let's talk about the uh, Eastern Conference. So one of the play-in games, the nine ten, you got nine Indianapolis taking on, or Indiana, not Indianapolis, and then ten Charlotte, and then in the other game, you got seven Boston, eight Washington. Let's start with that nine ten matchup. Who are we like in there and why? Uh, I'll take uh, I'll take Indiana. Demontis Sabonis has been one of the one of the better players in the NBA. Really, um, again, I, I like what Charlotte did. Uh, they're they're just not healthy enough. I don't think right now. Um, it, not the most exciting matchup I think uh, for, for for TV in terms of playoff stakes, but it is a do or die game. Um, so, but I'll take the Pacers here. Likewise, it's it's uh, this is a tough matchup for me because I, I just can't get a read on either of these teams and their sort of mentality heading into the playoffs. But I'm going to go ahead and take the team that has Sabonis on it. He's been ridiculous this season. Uh, yeah, and, like and you look at the Pacers. This is a team they traded their arguably their best player at one point, Victor Oladipo, like earlier this season. It's now they're here with a chance to to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, after this playoff play in tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take in Indian. I'm going to take Charlotte. I'm going to be the lone voice of dissent here. I, if LaMelo Ball can play up to the caliber that he's been doing, he's going to be an X factor in this series. So I'm going to take the Hornets here in that game. So let's jump to that 7 8 Boston, Washington uh, Wizards. Uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take Boston here. Boston's the better all around team. It's going to be Washington relying on Russ the whole time. So what more can really be said there? I'm I'm taking Washington in this. I think down the stretch they have played significantly better than the Celtics have all season long. They have the two best players in the series in Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook right now. Uh, I, and Jason Tatum stands can come for me if they want. Those two are better, playing better than him right now. And I think the the one two punch of of Westbrook and Daniel Gafford who got traded to the Wizards midway through the season. They've been 
awesome as a pick and roll duo there as of late. So I, I have the Wizards in this one. The the, the Celtics are a mess. Uh, I I, I have no re- Jalen Brown either. Yeah, I have oh, no idea yeah. what the long term direction of this franchise is. I know they've got Kemba and Tatum. They've got the players to do it, but I don't know what the future for for Brad Stevens looks like. I don't know what the future of this franchise looks like. And Washington is hot now. the 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 nature of this game might change because it is technically a playoff game. Uh, they might not be able to score at will like they have in the regular season. But with that being said, uh, I'll, I'll still take the Wizards. I'll ride the hot hand there. Okay, so for that next play-in game, so they'll have, so we're taking, so I got Boston, you guys got Washington, and then Indianapolis against Charlotte for me. So let's jump into the series that we do know. First one, the 4-5, New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks. The Knicks are back. Everything is right in New York. The Kings of New York are back in the Mecca playing playoff (laughs) basketball. Luke, what do you got for this one? The Knicks are back, but that being said, I'm going to go ahead and take the Hawks. Since they made that coaching change, Halfway through the season, they have been one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. They also have Trey Young on their team. I'm not betting against him in any sort of series. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Hawks to beat the the Young Knicks. This is, I think, probably the most evenly matched. Well, I mean, you look at the West, those are those series coming out of the play-in games, no matter how they, they match up. Um, but two teams that uh, I, think, I think both will be really happy with where they finish in the standings. Uh, I love what Tom Thibodeau has done with this Knicks team. They seemed, they seem like a team that's built to to win games they shouldn't in the playoffs. With the way they play, the way they play defense, the way they manage those late game situations, I'll, I'll take the Knicks. Uh, in seven. I'm going to be taking Atlanta as well, just like Luke here, because I don't know Trey is just so much more difficult to beat in these situations. And can New York? Like I obviously I like that New York has their own identity, and that's something that you rarely see in some NBA teams. And so if they can stick to their identity, they're going to win games like Brett's saying. But I don't know. I think Atlanta can draw them out of that uh, game plan and get them into some uncomfortable situations. So with that, I'm going to be taking the Hawks in six. D- down low for, for this series, an emphasis, if, if you're looking to see where the series is going to, to pivot, look for Clint Capella versus Julius Randle down low. Yeah. If Capella's able to stymie him down low, then the Knicks stand no chance in my opinion. Big save for Christina Roquez in the sixth minute here of overtime. 6.46 left in this overtime period. We'll we'll keep giving you guys updates on that as we go forward. I just thought that was a noteworthy. That was a huge chance there yeah. for Santa Clara. But, yeah, no. So we got that one. We're all – so Brett's got the Knicks. We got the Hawks. And then the next one, my favorite series here, the number three Milwaukee Bucks against the number six Miami Heat. What are we thinking here? Give me the Bucks in five. Ooh, Give me the Bucks in five. Like I think this season they've clearly been a better team than the Miami. The Miami Heat have struggled to get their act together all season long. They've been hot down the stretch. I think this is the if if not now when for the Milwaukee Bucks. Right, Giannis is playing just as good as he was a couple of seasons ago, but that doesn't matter. They are a way better team than the Miami Heat right now. So give me them in five. Last year I was extremely confident. Ex- extremely. Extre- if you seriously. give picking up what I'm putting down, I was extremely confident that the Bucks were going to beat the Heat in that playoff series. It didn't work out. <laughs> it actually went very, very badly. Giannis did get hurt. I know that was already after the series was 3-0, but they won a game five. If Giannis stays healthy, they win a game six. They win a game like they they could get back into that series if Giannis is healthy. I got the Bucks in four. Like the Heat have yeah. been, I know they've they've picked it up as the season has gone on, but over the course of the season, they haven't been a great basketball team. Like not by really any measure. 
and now you go up against this this Milwaukee team, which is just as good as I think they are last year. I think they're a team that a lot of people are kind of forgetting about. You look at Brooklyn, you look at Philly, both L.A. teams, some of the other teams in the West. Milwaukee has a chance to, to win it all this year. They very they very well do. And the my head right now says Milwaukee, obviously, because the Heat have been so inconsistent just on every respect of their game in both play and then in health. And then obviously Victor Oladipo not being healthy for this team going into the playoffs who the Heat made a trade for at the deadline. And it it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction, but the Heat culture in me says Heat in five oh, every Lord. single time. And Jimmy Butler said it best. You just got to get me there and I'll take over. So the Heat got him there. Now it's time for him to take over. So Heat and five for that series for me. I know everyone scoffs and turns their heads. Sebastian would be yelling at me for Heat culture, but it's all about Heat culture, man. What can I say? I have, I have no rebuttal to that because it's just completely void of logic uh, oh, reason. So I'm just, well, we can move on. No, that yes, Heat, yes, Heat culture is sometimes void of logic. That I think there's a there's a disclaimer in the Heat and Heat Twitter like, somewhere. There's just nothing I can say there. <laughs> back to that, it's like okay, because right. I'll have some just completely illogical response back, and, and I'll just fine. keep trying yelling at it multiple times over until I get the point across. That, that's fine. Yeah, no, so Heat culture, Heat and five. <laughs> but uh, let's go to the hypothetical games as we start to make it close to the end of the show here. So. Philly, uh, so I would have Philly against Washington for this game. That's the 1-8. Uh, you would have Philly, wa- Philly, Washington. Philly, Washington, oh, and then, no, 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 you had Boston winning. Yeah, you're yeah. right, you picked Boston. I would have uh, Philly, Indiana. Oh, yeah. Indiana I, I have Boston. Indiana beating okay. Boston wow. in okay. the second game. Me too. All right, so what do you guys like for that one? You guys got the same Matt pick there. Philly and four. Philly and four. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, Indiana would be a great run for them to get out of it, but they're just not not anywhere near the level of, of a team at, that the Philadelphia 76ers are. So, yeah. Yeah, I got Philly in four over Washington. I think these one and two matchups here, the 1v8 and the 2v7, are completely different than the Western Conference ones. And it, I think these teams are just so much better than the bottom of that division there. So let's go to the Brooklyn 1-2 versus 7. So that would be the number two Brooklyn Nets going up against for me, at least, Celtics the Celtics. Yes, yeah, Celtics for me, Wizards for both of you guys. So. Wizards for me. Gentlemen's sweep for the Nets in five against the Wizards. Okay. Yeah, I've got Nets over Wizards in six. I actually think this could yeah. be one of those where the Wizards maybe go up uh, 1-0 or 2-1 in this series where they steal a couple games and where the Nets are like, oh, crap, Like well, this is going to be a real series. Um, but ultimately, they, they take care of business winning six. I got I got Brooklyn in five against Boston. I feel like Boston might try and put up a little bit of a fight, but it's not going to be that much. Brooklyn's just so much better. And granted, the one thing that's weird about this Nets team is that not, like, was it? It was... KD, Kyrie, and Harden haven't played a ton of time together on the floor at the same time. Was it? It's like eight or nine games so far this season, which is just really weird to see how they're going to be able to transition to playoffs when they all have to be on for a lot of time. Yeah, we've seen what they, in such a small sample of like what they can do and some of the highlights they were able to. Cable, I know I saw what they did against the Cavs yesterday. It's not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to pull that off in a in a playoff series. Um, but they're they're another team that we just. We haven't really seen them. Yes, they're very capable of winning the NBA championship, uh, but like I have no idea what their what their ceiling is here. Like I, I don't even think necessarily that they need to play. To, I, I don't need to see them play together to know what they're capable of. I just need to see James Harden out there. He is. Cl- I think more than the other two, he has clearly been the catalyst 
If, if they're operating at peak efficiency on offense, you know James Harden is in the lineup. He's just that good of an NBA player. And he is such a, a video game type player where he is so broken. And that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing in video games for anyone not aware. <laughs> um, like The way he can draw fouls from beyond the arc is just unreal. Nobody else in the league can do that. So you add him to that offense, you already know what Kyrie and KD can do. That's where it really becomes like an unstoppable force. That's as I think if this if the logical brain works here for this for picking games, the Milwaukee Brooklyn series is going to be phenomenal. I know we got that little a little taste of it in the regular season with that with their last matchup, but that's going to be a ton of fun to watch for that series. So, do we have any other picks here for F, or for the NBA? Any other hot takes? Ooh, Yuji Zhao right off the top of the post there on the crossbar, just my, bounces my, away. My no, that wasn't you. Frozen, yeah. so I've been looking at your screen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Florida State getting some opportunities here. It looks like we have about 40 seconds left here in the overtime. That just went straight off the crossbar. That was a great look. But Florida State, they still won one in that game against Santa Clara for the national title. So let's jump over. Let, speaking of FSU, let's jump over to some FSU. We talked some soccer earlier on in the show. FSU softball. I'm going to run through some uh, headlines and big news from FSU Athletics. If you guys have anything, stop me. So we got FSU softball. They fell to Duke in the ACC semifinals. Oh, and here's another opportunity. Oh, is that? No, I, I'm really bad at doing soccer play-by-play. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not qualified penalty. for this. Christina Uncle, penalty. That's a penalty. What? Oh, my. There's, the refs are discussing over there. I cannot tell and make out what they're doing. But uh, FSU softball, like I said, fell to Duke in the ACC semifinals. They did get announced for a Tallahassee regional uh, for the first round of the NCAA tournament. That will be May 21st through the 23rd in Tallahassee. That will be Auburn, UCF, Kennesaw State, and FSU. FSU is the number 10 national seed. So, once again, another great team from Lonnie Alameda. It's once again going to be another good path to the NCAA, uh, to the Supers, and possibly the College World Series over there in OKC. On to baseball now. FSU uh, won the, season, the, the series against Clemson this past weekend, eight to three on Friday. Lost nine to five on Saturday, and then won nine to six in a really good comeback game by the Knolls. Parker Messick pitched on Sunday as opposed to his normal Friday night slot. He was dealing with a little bit of a back injury going into Friday, so they decided to delay his start till Sunday. One thing that I got for you guys: Are you guys worried about a possible back injury coming to bite Messick in the back in the butt later on in the postseason? Other than an arm injury, that would be the injury that would sort of perk me up a little bit and, and make me more worrisome of him heading into the, the postseason play. But no, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. It, it sounds from from FSU uh, and Meats and that it's going to be sort of subdued. It's not anything too much to worry about, it, I don't think. It was pretty clear, I think, that the fact that he was able to pitch Sunday, if they were yeah. really worried about it, he yeah. would not have pitched this weekend. Yeah. They, they wanted to give him a couple more days to rest. He's pitched a, a lot of innings this year. He's a he's a hefty guy like myself. Uh, he's got that delivery where he uses all of that lower body and that back and that core. It's how, why he's so good. It's why he's been the best pitcher in the ACC this year for my money. Uh, no, he's fine. I think they were they were being very very cautious there as they should going into a postseason. He looked a little bit rusty in this game on Sunday. Clemson got to him early in that game, putting up a four spot in that first inning. Then getting another couple. Later on in the game, he did, though, have 10, 10 strikeouts. strikeouts yeah. Yeah. He, he was also kind of off his rhythm. You know, even mm-hmm. in college, you, especially in college, where you know you're pitching uh, a certain day of the week. You know, if you can even get into more of a rhythm than you would do in the big leagues where it's every fifth day. You know, he knew Friday was my day. Gets pushed back to Sunday. The good news is, yeah, he still had the strikeouts, which is, like, really what you got to look at uh, in the college game, I think. Keep the ball out of play. 
Uh, that's how you put your team in the best position to win, uh, and and he did that for the most part. Speaking about keeping the ball out of play, I mean Jackson Green, the one pl- the one play that you probably saw maybe on Sports Center on a highlight tape, diving play up the middle, gets up to a couple knees and makes the throw over to first. Just phenomenal. Huge moment of the game. Huge comeback on Sunday for the Noles, and huge series win in general to take two out of three from Clemson. We've said that the last couple of weeks. Two out of three. Two out of three. If they mm-hmm. can just keep winning series and string together a, a couple of victories in a row. Um, they're going to be fine. That's now their fifth series or sixth series in a row. I believe I so. They they're they're going to be fine if you discount the RPI, which they dropped like nine spots after lo- after how winning did, this year. How does that happen? What, I, nobody what, knows. Like, does did someone? I didn't see the rest of the scoreboards from the weekend. Was anyone else making big pushes or anything? I don't know. Well, Clemson went up because apparently it was a close like road loss, and the, the RPIs yeah. are so messed up with the, everybody playing different schedules this year. So yeah. I, I hope Take that it with a grain of salt. I hope the NCAA doesn't use it as the the, the main tool. Uh, in determining the field of 64 and where they're ranked because it's tough on Florida State. Yeah, and once again, with that field of 64 in the NCAA tournament, Florida State was not selected as one of the predetermined regional sites for this year's NCAA tournament. So that's going to be interesting going forward, watching how that all plays out because Florida State is used to hosting regionals when it comes to this time. And granted, FSU might not be in a position to host this year, but still even just not being selected as a a regional site is kind of weird. Kind of eerie thing about you. It has everything to do with facilities, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they know. just they like we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we figured out that it was going to be predetermined regional sites. I didn't believe FSU was going to get it just because of, yeah. like you said, the just the status of Dickhauser Stadium and everything else around it. It's not the best, and also the weather. It gets way too hot. It's awful. It, just the, too many factors you had to bring in there to the yeah. table. Granted, Florida did get one though. They did get the regional. So yes, but that's oh, new I think, stadium, yeah, new this, glorious the, stadium down in. It, it is very nice. From what I've seen of it, it does look like a very nice ballpark. looks just like a minor league spring training site. So very nice uh, on Florida and creating a pretty good ballpark. But just some quick last headlines here. FSU Women's Golf, they won the Louisville Regional by three strokes over UCLA and Texas. So they will be going to the NCAA Championship over in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, playing at Greyhawk uh, next Monday through Wednesday. And then on the men's side, they are playing actually right now this week in Tallahassee for the men's regional uh, hosting. They have a huge advantage playing at their home course. It's honestly unfair at this point. <laughs> like, it, re- it legitimately is. It's awful. And uh, it's awful for everyone else. Great for FSU in that way. <laughs> but, I mean, probably the highlight of my day, though, watching John Pack, uh, da- UGA's Davis Thompson, and then Liberty's uh, Kieran Vincent. Amazing play by all three of them, all three in the top three right now. Technically top two because there's a three-way tie at second there. But great play. I wish it was televised. Real quick, I think like a lot of times there's this debate over, oh, which sport is there the most home field or home court or home ice advantage? Nobody ever considers college golf where Florida State is literally getting to play this tournament on, on, the, home on, the, on the course where they practice. Like they, like they literally know it way more than anybody. It, it, it doesn't seem fair. Way more than anyone even would know on like a normal year. Because like FSU with the women's team going to the regional in Louisville, Coach Bond has seen that course a couple times before. It's a brand new course. Yeah, no one has seen this course out Except of anyone. Except... Even Fam, FAMU, has, FAMU in Tallahassee, right. they're playing in this regional. They've never seen the course either. So it's really just an insane regional. And FSU, they're up by six strokes right now on Georgia Tech in the team standings. And I believe it's top six from the regional advanced on to the national championship. So odds are FSU will probably be na- going to the national title also at Greyhawk in Phoenix, Arizona. So a lot of great stuff from golf. Speaking of golf gear, before we, we, we get off oh, of PGA. here, yeah, you got a pick for me, PGA on the spot? Oh, I'm, I'm going to ride with my boy X, Xander, Xander Shoffley, man. X-Men. I think this is this is the, this is his time. Kia was set up perfectly. <laughs> I got I got Rom. 
You're not my taking, boy. You're not taking your boy Spieth. Spieth's your boy. That's that's a that's a perennial. You're... Any major Spieth is going to win it. But if I if you know if I'm if I'm picking someone to win, I think I think John's striping the ball right yeah. now. Yeah. Rom has a very good chance. I I like Shoffley. I always like Shoffley. He's he's <laughs> always knocking on the door. It's just a matter if someone's going to answer it or not. Yeah. So there's a lot of great sports going on this whole week. Go out and watch them. It's phenomenal time of the Go year. Go watch this game that we're watching right yeah. now. <laughs> turn over to ESPN two. We're going to be doing that right after we uh, turn off the mics here. But Thank you for listening to this episode of Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We will see you next week.